Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. We're going to have a wonderful one hour together. We've got 60 minutes today before we have to give Vamanosi. And we have our dear friends, Kathy and Brian, all the way from Honduras, our missionaries, Brian and Kathy. You know, it's, it's a matter of semantics. Is it the man first, the woman first? I once thought to myself, well, it has to be the man first. And then I always saw that the man put the woman first. So what are you going to do? But I do know that God created man first. That's all I know. Brian and Kathy, help me do this. How are you guys today? Good. How are you doing? Good. You're doing a great job. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, it's good to see both of you today. Uh, you're in Honduras. Patricia was saying, hey, find out something just happened with Honduras connecting with Mexico or something's going on there politically uh, that's brand new. And I don't know. Are you guys aware of anything brand new going on with Honduras? No, no, not in particular. There's... We've got rumors that the government is going to shut down in November during the election, the presidential elections here, but, uh, but um, no, nothing, nothing in particular. And that's supposedly debunked. We don't know. Okay. The last election we had was uh, we, we thought we were going to have a civil war. So wow. yeah. well, that's because the president, the president, the current president wasn't supposed to get elected for another term and he used the Supreme Court to legislate and allowed himself a second term. And so the elections were on and he was losing. And then mysteriously, there was a nationwide power outage. And when the lights came back on, he was winning. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the mafia all over again. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So mafia uh, politics. Yeah, anything can happen here. Amen. Talking what, about what power. What's that, Kathy? What was that? They 
she heard that was going on. When she comes around the corner, I'll ask her. Um, okay. But she was she was saying it to me from while she was getting prepared. Um, talking about power outages, there was a northeasterly, what they call a nor'easterly, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, flooding 300,000 people without power. You know, just another little storm in the, you know, as we approach the winter season here. And uh, what is the climate like in Honduras throughout the year? Is it basically tropical all through the year? Yes, and we're in the mountains, so we're at up about 3,500 feet, so it's a little bit cooler where we are. So okay. down, down below, it's just it's hot. Wow. So wintertime, it's maybe, you know, 80 degrees average. Come summertime, 100, you know, so it's, it's brutal. Right? That but is brutal. It's pretty temperate, more like Hawaii, more like Hawaii than there. So. Okay, very good. So a passage of scripture I know you both are going to love. And uh, we had this conversation last night, and I just kind of opened up to it today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that, he, that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You know, we see this at football games. We see it everywhere and, you know, around the country, different places around the world, that God so loved the world. He did not send his son to condemn it, but to save it, that the world through him might be saved. So let's get into the term terminology of believing. You know, what does it mean to believe? Because I know in James, uh, James was writing and said, hey, the devils believe and tremble. So from your perspective, as you share the gospel, what does it really mean for an individual, a human being, to come to a place of believing in Jesus to the degree that the condemnation that's already upon the human race is eradicated? It's, yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's no coincidence, by the way, that I woke up at 3.16 this morning and huh? was thinking about this very scripture, so. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, um, this is actually something that when, when we were at the children's home in particular, you know, these kids, the kids there have been, they, it's the same thing. They've heard Jesus. They speak the name of Jesus. You, you drive around Honduras and all the buses and the taxis, and it's like it's got Jesus on it. And you, know, you can walk into a police station. I can walk into a police station. Nine times out of ten, I get asked to, like, preach the gospel there, and, and, and they'll stop work, and they'll, 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 they'll just listen to what you have to say. And, and so... One of the things I always used to talk to the kids about a lot was this subject of belief and what does it mean to believe. And, you know, the way I explained it to them was that, you know, I'm walking on the floor. I believe that it's going to hold my weight. I believe and I trust it absolutely 100% so much that I don't even, I don't even question it. Now, does that mean that it's not going to open up and swallow me? Can I prove that it won't happen at some point? No, I cannot. But I have absolute total faith that it's that that, that floor is going to hold my weight, you know, and, and and that really walking with God and believing God is kind of like on the same level. 
It's like we have to have absolute trust that what he says in his word is absolute truth. And what he says he did and what he says he's going to do is going to happen. Just like I, just the fact that the cement floor that I'm standing on now is, is, is not going to open up and it's going to support my weight. And, um, you know, that's the simplest way that I can put, I can, I can describe belief to people. It's a beautiful explanation. Yeah, go ahead, Kathy. Also, it's like um, lately, I feel like it's an onion peeling. You know, we're gonna we're gonna come to Christ and we're gonna surrender to Him at that moment that that we're called born again, and um, and then life proceeds and life starts, brand new life. And and as uh, circumstances come our way, I mean, it's gonna expose the degree that we really trust God, and um, it's never done. And I can stand here and say. You know that I uh, that I believe every single word in that Bible to be true. I don't care how I think or feel; it's true. Now, how I can my actions will line up with believing that it's true, and that I really have that trust in my Lord is another story, and that's a pro- lifelong process. Well, because of um, you know, I believe like the trials that I'm going through right now, the particular trial. It's like basically, it's like I don't really trust God with with the unknown, you know. And um, I, I say I do, but like, why am I having so much inner turmoil? So He's always growing our belief, and there's always more. Faith is like a mustard seed, and we're to, and it's going to grow, you know. And um, we need to feed it, and uh, we get faith by um, hearing His word and getting that rhema word. And applying it, walking in faith. Faith has feet. Yeah, it certainly does. And I'm a little disappointed with what you just said because I I wanted to just go away into the mountains somewhere and be away from all people so that I could be assured of my salvation. You're saying there's even trials up there. I mean, our faith is tested everywhere. But um, in, in a more serious note, I'm thinking, you know, I truly, as a human being, at the end of the day, I simply want to be with God in heaven, okay? And I'm thinking, well, how did I ever get that desire in my heart to just be with God? And yet I feel on this earth that there are so many snares. There are so many traps. There's potential to actually come to a place of saying, Lord, Lord, and then being rejected by God. Uh, I know a lot of people, including myself, that grew up in this world with a tremendous amount of rejection and abandonment and fatherlessness, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, God is working on our psychology and he's working out a tremendous salvation because of his great love that he's demonstrated towards us. And it's really allowed us to move on with him. But uh, I I don't have this uh, idea. I don't have this thought that I could just kind of meander through life. And regardless of what I do, I'm going to show up in heaven one day. And, you know, I'm just uh, it's a sealed deal. Um, I think a lot of people need to believe that for a particular reason. But um, my believing, is it a one-time belief, or is it something I have to maintain throughout the rest of my life? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, there, there's, there's two types of belief. There's the belief that trusts God, meaning that knowing that, that like it says in, in Isaiah 55, you know, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so... It's when we say belief, it's it literally is trusting him absolutely that that a lot of the things that are going to happen to us and, and in our lives will not line up with the way we, we perceive things today and maybe our, especially our expectations about things. And 
and is in believing is trusting God that no matter what happens, no matter what it looks like, no matter what's what's uh, what's stripped away from us, it is it's that it, His way is the best way, and He has our best our best eternal future, um, you know, outcome that's, that's in front of us. And um, you know, I think that uh, I think that it's so easy to create without really consciously realizing it. We create these kind of like images and they're almost idols in terms of our expectations of things and what it looks like, what, what, what God's will in my life looks like. And, and more often than not, we never know. I mean, we can try to imagine if we're going to go to go someplace and we try to imagine what it's going to look like and what it's going to be like. And it, I don't, for me, it never once have I ever gotten it right. You know, it's always been it's always completely, but we do it anyways, you know. And I think that we do that with God and we do that with the future of our lives here on earth and what things are going to look like and how things should look. And it's when we, we create these expectations, really it's when I create these expectations about how my life should look. If I do this, then this will happen. Those have a way of becoming idols, you know, and what we end up doing inadvertently is, is worshiping a God of our own expectations of our own making rather than the God that made me that, that, you know, you know, I'm, I'm saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that I can't boast about it. And he had, he already preordained things, good works that I'm supposed to walk in them. You know, and what those things are, I, I, I try to plan, I try to figure it out, but I'm never right. <laughs> you know, it's it comes back to Proverbs 3, 3, 5 through 8. You know, it's, it's, it's lean not on my own understanding and knowledge him in all my ways, and he will direct my paths. And when I can do that, I get to see what he does, you know, and, and, um, I can't just see it anyways, but. <laughs> so, so this kind of uh, goes against the flow. Sometimes our eschatological view, you know, of what things are supposed to be like is oftentimes skewed is what you're saying. And um, it's more of an organic, it's an organic relationship with the creator that initiated this relationship. He chose us. We didn't choose him. And what I find amazing in that, in that passage is that men love darkness rather than light. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we've all been in darkness. We've all enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season, but they've always ended up in the same turmoil as ever. I mean, it never changes. Um, it always comes to an end and decays and rots and corrupts. Um, so where, where was the, where's the time of miraculous where the miraculous touch of God that you know, dissipates, disintegrates, eradicates from the soul the condemnation, the weight of our guilt, shame, and condemnation, the burden of our sin, that's gone, and all of a sudden we have a new desire to want to please God that we never had before, and all of a sudden that sin becomes reproachful to us, and we're burdened by it, and we blush at it, and we're unnerved by it, and convicted, uh, not the condemnation of the devil, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Ex explain the difference between the two, because I think a lot of Christians are struggling with uh, condemnation. Um, and rather than being convicted by the spirits to, to be led in another direction, speak into that. Well, I, I think that like condemnation is like more of you're gonna like pushing put down, and um, whereas uh, conviction is calling you up to a better way. I like That's that. The way I could put it. Yeah, that, I think I think condemnation is it's. It's actually it's a form of, of narcissism, really, because it's 
Well, on one hand, so first of all, let me just say that I think the fact that we believe, you know, we, we especially within charismatic circles, there's so much emphasis on, on you know, a, a prophetic word now, God's speaking to me now, and there's so much emphasis upon, upon healing and miracles and signs and wonders, and, and those things are all good, but, you know, but, but the, Jesus said that the reason why he did those things was so that people might believe, mm-hmm. you know, and so the real miracle, the real miracle that we just kind of, I don't know, not intentionally, but just as a, a, a kind of as a function of, of Christian culture sometimes is we sort of just kind of marginalize it, just put it to the side, like, yeah, we believe, but look at this, his leg just grew out or something like that, you know, and it's sort of like, I always just imagine Jesus just like, oh, okay, here we go, pick up your mat and walk, now do you believe, you know, and, and the purpose is belief, belief in who he is, belief in, in that he can redeem us, believe you, and, and, the, and the transformation that takes place in a life, right, it's like, when I look back at my life and who I was, you know, and I, and I reflect all the time, I got where, God, where I've been and where God has taken me, when I look back, it's just like, this, there has to be a God, because, oh my gosh, the fact that I'm even alive, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle, the fact that I believe, because I was an even, I wasn't just an atheist, I was an evangelical atheist, you know, I was one of those. I was one of those people that would like run around and be like, I can prove to you there's no God. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I didn't know him then. I bet. God brought you in to redeem. When I did come to believe, I wasn't looking for God. I was trying to die, you know? And it was like, that's what I was, I was trying to die. I was actively wow. trying to die, you know, when God, when God got a hold of me and I believed. And it's like, well, yeah, that's a miracle. <laughs> So, that, so that on, on one hand is that, you know, and, 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 you know, the Bible is really clear. All who came up call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, you know? So if you're sincerely calling upon the name of the Lord, he's there. It, he's, he's, he said, behold, he stands at the door and knocks, you know, all we have to do is, is just, is open it and, and we can be saved. So the, the thing is, is that asking Jesus to forgive our sins, if we're sincerely asking it, he forgives our sins. Period, you know, and but then the condemnation it comes a lot of times it's it is a twisted form of narcissism because what I'm actually saying if 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 I can't be forgiven then I'm bigger than God and my mm-hmm. sins are bigger than God and I'm more powerful than God and everything that I've done it's like wow you can forgive those other people God but me whoa wow I'm powerful <laughs> my I'm really I'm a bad boy you know and that's just yeah. So, so I think sometimes when we so explain narcissism because I think you're you're nailing this thing right now. So what is yeah. narcissism in in a in a person's life? Narcissism comes from the Greek character, the Greek mythology Narcissus, who came and he, he found he saw his own reflection in a puddle of water and he fell in love with it. <laughs> so that's where the term, that's where the term narcissism comes from, you know. But what it is, it's 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 extreme self-centeredness. And we're all we're all prone to it because we're, we live in a culture that just cultivates it and praises it, you know. Oh. And the more narcissistic you are, you know, a, a lot of times, depending on the field that you're working in, but it, like entertainment and things like that, the more narcissistic you are, the more the more likely you are to succeed, you know. And, and same with politics. Um, but um, so narcissism is its obsession with self. And Jesus said that we are to deny self, can't pick up our cross and follow him. Otherwise, we can't be his disciple. 
And so narcissism would be the, the exact opposite, the polar opposite of, of deny self. Interesting. So we don't look in puddles of water. We look in mirrors every morning, right? And depending on what we see, yeah. some of us are terrified. Others are just trying to keep it all together. Um, but that's super important stuff right there. So a person that is claiming to be born again, a believer in Jesus, but carries this continual uh, weight of guilt, shame, condemnation, um, you know, I'm, I'm beyond God's reach. That is a narcissistic, self-centered, proud uh, heart before God. And he probably doesn't, you know, most people would think that that's some form of humility, but it's really a false humility uh, that God really condemns and shuns because it has nothing to do with his desire in what he accomplished on the cross uh, to bring us to himself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All humility is the best description, probably even a better description, yeah. you know. Huge. Yeah. Huge. I'm sitting here right now. The sun is baking on me. I'm sweating on both. I love it. Yeah. And you guys are out there. Yeah. I studied the tabernacle and um, the labor, right? God called called... Uh, the, all, he, to make that labor, he said, I want to bring all the women's uh, bronze mirrors uh-huh. to make the lather. And so, and I was thinking, well, why Why would he call specifically, you know, on the other things he'd call metal, gold, you know, silver, you know, platinum, and all, not platinum, but wood. wood and, um, but he called for the, the women to bring their mirrors. And so that, that holds the water. The labor holds the water. And um, it is all made of one piece. So they melted it together and made it to hold the water to wash. And the scripture says, like, we are washing by the water of the word, you know, and uh, getting cleansed. And so as we wash with the word, we no longer see ourselves through that little mirror. We see ourselves through God's word. Amen. Amen. Isn't there a scripture uh, that tells us that, but the Lord is the spirit where the spirit is Lord. There's liberty, but we all with open face or unveiled faces beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. What we ought to be looking for every time we look in the mirror. And I remember, I'm sure you guys did the same thing. You look in the mirror and your eyes say, is Jesus there? You know, and we see in Jesus, we're looking for his image, his reflection. Um, getting back to condemnation for just a moment. This conversation came up again here yesterday um, in Romans chapter five. Uh, Paul gives us a pretty good, you know, uh, an understanding on this, and he's talking about the condemnation, and I'll just pick it up in verse 15. Uh, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. Not And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. To me, that says that uh, I am forgiven. I've come to faith in Christ. I love him. I flee to him. His love has done something to me, and I run to him as a sinner. And while I was a sinner, he died for me. And so now I'm under a covenant, though there be many Uh, moments of failure, breakdown, stumbling along the way, as long as my heart stays towards him, and I'm asking from your your view of things, is this accurate? Um, You know, I'm chasing after the Lord. I'm going after the Lord. But there are those moments of stumbling. I'm still justified. I'm under a covenant of justification because the desire is not to fall off my bike. I'm tired of falling off my bike. I want to get on it and ride it and enjoy it. 
And so along the way, speak into that just for a moment. Yeah, I think I always remember that, that um, you know, I, I, I went to church and I prayed the prayer a long time before God ever got a hold of me. You know, I was just desperately looking for anything. And I remember that, that um, it was immediately after that, I was still drunk and I was still trying to stop drinking. I couldn't stop drinking. And I was like asking God and I got mad and I had a 40 ounce in my hand and I was, I had my middle finger in the air and I'm screaming at God, like, why won't you do it? Why won't you stop this? You know, and like, and I was drunk. And the next morning, I, I picked up a Bible and I read about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you know. And, and I, so I called my my friend Bill, he was a pastor, you know. And I said, Bill, Bill, I, I think I just committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He goes, well, okay, let me ask you a question. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what? He goes, you care? Well, oh, yes, I care. <laughs> He's like, well, you probably didn't commit blasphemy. Amen. Of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not condemned. You're not condemned. You know. You know that's how my pastor got saved. He uh, he when he was a when he was six years old in Illinois as a little boy he had a supernatural experience while he was out walking his dog in those days. We're talking a long time ago, and he had an experience with God where he just at six began to pray in the spirit, and he so he had an encounter with God. But then he was part of a particular denominational church, and he saw so much hypocrisy as a young man. Now many years later that he abandoned church. He went into the CIA. He, pray, he played for semi-pro basketball with the Detroit Pistons on their, on their third string team or whatever. And he went and became an entrepreneur. And uh, all of a sudden, at the height of everything, he's in Chicago at the penthouse of one of the big high rises. You know, everything's working well. And he gets diagnosed with bone cancer. And he's got like six months to live. They diagnosed him with six months to live. And he got drunk as could be, and he fell on the ground fighting against God, just cursing, you know, this whole thing. And you can imagine the frustration. He woke up the next day, and he had a transformation. I think the honesty that a lot of people are feeling frustrated right now, but they don't know what to do. They're frustrated. They're terrified to really say what they're feeling and going through. Not that we should live by our feelings or walk by our feelings, but uh, for Pastor Paul, that, that night of just going out there and, and saying, it's like God can handle that. And it wasn't because he had an evil heart towards God and he hated God. It was his frustration and inability to really comprehend what was happening to him. And so God takes him on this journey. He lives another 20 years. He becomes a pastor to people like me that were more broken than you can imagine. And so God uses this man. So a lot of people don't, you know, they, they're frustrated they don't know what to do with it. They feel like they're in bonds and they can't really express themselves because they're, they're walking this very tight line. Um, and yet the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Speak into that. Well, I, I, I always think about so often in the church, we separate Romans chapter seven from Romans chapter eight, right? And at the end of Romans chapter seven, Paul is Paul, the apostle Paul, right? Is, is weeping and screaming, I, I, you know, oh, what a wicked man I am. Who will save me from this body of death? Yeah. You know, he has this revelation of, of, of who he is apart from God, you know. And, and, and I read that, so I, it, it's disputed whether this is true or not, but I read that, that what he was referring to in terms of the body of death was that there was this, a Roman practice of execution for someone that was guilty of murder, where they, whereby they would take the corpse of the person's victim and hang it around their neck. And basically yes. that would like cause them to, that would cause them to die. 
So that's just kind of like the, the picture that we have of, of what his revelation of his own sin was, right? Now this is the Apostle Paul speaking in Romans 7, you know? And so it's then, then, we, then you go on to, on to chapter 8, you know, where it says, there, now therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so it's like, you know, Roland Baker always says, like, people are like, well, is God like this or is God like that? He says, well, he's God of this and that, yeah. you know? And yeah. is, it, is, it, is it yes or is it no? And it's, yeah. well, it's yes and no. Mm-hmm. And, and this is really hard for, for our, our American Western minds because we're just like this or that, right, wrong, period, you know? And so, but the fact of the matter is, is like, you, you've got to experience both. But if you're stuck in condemnation, right, then you've got a lopsided perspective because you need to understand that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but it's only because of the experience of realizing our condemnation without him that we come to him in the first place. Then on the flip side, there's people that just want to say, well, that was actually Old Testament, and that's cut off. There's, there's, there's no more, you know, there's no more sinner. We don't focus on that. It's just all, like you say, you know, sloppy, agape, and greasy grace. And so the fact is, is, if you take one side or the other, you're wrong. You've got to embrace both, both realities. Without him, I am condemned. I am an enemy of God, like it says in Ephesians chapter 2. You know, I'm a child of wrath. With him, I'm saved. What I have to do is boldly come to the throne of grace. And when I mess up, it's like like you said, I, I want to ride my bike, you know. <laughs> I want to ride my bike right. without falling off. That's my, that's my goal. And, and that's why it says... I think it's in Proverbs where it's a righteous man fall, but we fall seven times on the eighth time he gets up. It's not that we, it's not that we fall, it's that we, that we choose whether to get up or not. And so many people just say, well, you know, I'm, I can't get this. I can't do this Christian thing. I can't be righteous. I can't not sin. So I'm just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and I'm just going to accept the fact that I'm condemned. In which case, you are. Yeah. And the condemnation has come upon every soul of man. I'm convinced that condemnation is on the whole human race because of one man's sin, Adam. So part of our conversation last night, and, and, you know, we're just getting down to the raw basics here. Um, I, I shared with a friend, and I said to my friend, I said, if our faith in Jesus Christ, if our Christianity affords us nothing but a future hope, of going to heaven one day, we're no different than the Muslim that wants to blow up 20 people because in the afterlife he's going to get 70 virgins. And so I, I'm thinking to myself, and it, it's a bit of a frustration, not really. For me, I'm, I'm doing what God has put in my heart to do, and I'm very blessed and thankful for everything he's doing. But um, there is a desire, and I'm thinking it should be a Holy Spirit desire in every one of those who truly believe, every one of us, that um, the, the great miracle that you were talking about just a moment ago, the real miracle, not getting healed and from a disease or demon cast out, those are always a means to an end. Go tell that fox, today and tomorrow I do cures and healings, but on the third day I shall be perfected. And what I'm trying to get across is that as a Christian man, regardless of the condition of the world, I want to see the glory of God manifest in my life in a divine nature. I want to see a transformation of my mind, a renewing of my heart. I want to see a brand new species uh, where Jesus Christ is the firstborn of a new species of man. He's the second man from heaven, the second Adam in 1 Corinthians 15. And he came with a brand new nature. And I want, since I'm born again into him, I want to experience what it is to live out of that new nature. 
But everything around me is telling me the world, the church, believers, Christians, you're never going to go there. You'll never experience what it's like to have a divine nature and a new creation and a, and a new species operating in your life. And I fully reject that, not because I'm trying to be obstinate, because I don't find that in the Bible, that I'm stuck and I'm bound on this earth to a brokenness. Now, I do understand that we're working things out, but I, I, I just kind of, I'm looking for something, and I believe that's the Holy Spirit. I never had that desire before, you know, and I know I can't do it. And if everybody's saying, well, it's not of works uh, and it's of grace, well, then why can't the grace of God bring me higher than the law never could? The law can make nothing perfect. And I think some people think that the new covenant is a weaker covenant. I see it as a more powerful covenant that even if you mess with this covenant, man, you're, if, if it happened under Moses's, how much more severity for rejecting the Son of God. So I, I just know that there's an experience of walking and living and being led by the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit of God that we can have. But, man, there seems to be so many obstacles to that and such opposition to that. Is it possible from your view of things? Um, yes and no. <laughs> and, and, and what I mean by that is that is that I know for a fact that it is possible because when I look back at the transformation that has taken place in my life and, and, and the, the new creation that I am today, I know that's possible. But also know because... I'm never done as long as I'm walking on this earth. And so there, we are continually, we go from glory to glory. And so that, that's, um, there's a, an aspect of transformation that takes place there, you know? And so it's um, kind of a lot, a lot of like what we've been, Kathy and I have been going through here over the last two years is that, you know, every time we get to a place and it's like, wow, you know, thank God, you know, I'm not that person that I used to be before. And God says, whoa. Actually, we have a little bit more pruning to do, and I think the tendency is is there's there's some in the body of Christ who look at it like, well, okay, you're not going to get it, cut the tree down, right? But no, but then there's pruning, and so pruning hurts sometimes, you know. And so there's this as we get closer to beholding God's holiness of who He really is, the more it shines a light on the areas where we're still not holy, and so. Uh, it's, um, I'm trying to find a way, I'm really, I'm trying to find a way to articulate this, even, even in our conversation with each other, we're kind of at the stage where we're, we're discussing this and we're saying the same thing, but then we're, we're like, no, 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 I'm not saying that, but actually we're saying the same thing. And it's, uh, yeah. an, uh, there's an ongoing process, yeah. you know, and it's like, when you really think about, when you really think about God's holiness, it's, it's, how do I even comprehend that? You know, no one's seen God and lived. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's how do we comprehend that? And so it, it's, it's um, I, I guess I was listening to, I was listening to Paul Washer. He's a, he's a reformed Baptist preacher who's like, he made, he's kind of like Watchman Nee on steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's hardcore. But he was, he was talking about holiness and he was defining it as we, we talk about holiness as being separate from being separated onto God, you know, but he said, actually what holiness means begins with, it means to cut, you know, and it's like, you think about like you're cutting a carrot, a cutting a vegetable, you know, you cut it and you separate it, you cut it and you separate it. And so he, he said, that's what holiness is like. And so there's this constant process here 
while we're walking the earth of like of we're growing in holiness and it's a cutting and that cutting sometimes hurts and if we misinterpret it we might we might be deceived into into condemnate into self-condemnation when really it's just like hey you know here's another piece of you and i call it peeling the onion you know and it's uh and 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 it's uh, it's chucking off a layer. You, as soon as you peel off one layer of the onion, well, what do you got? Well, there's another layer. And the goal is, in, in this case, is to keep peeling the onion until there's no meat left. It's just him. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but. yeah. <clears throat> Kathy, any thoughts on that? Um, well, I, I feel like um, earlier you were talking about people struggling and, and not being able to express or... or that confess what's, what's going on inside of them. And I know the Bible says to confess your sins one to another. And so if you can, I think if we can, once you have that out instead of storing it, the devil can make a big party about it, you know, if you don't if you don't get it out and let God deal with it, you know. And, and so he suggests that we confess our sins or these dark secrets one to another and that he can cleanse us. And so then we, we repent, which is a gift. Repentance is a gift, and so I welcome conviction, you know. I welcome the spanking. It's not pleasant, but I know it's going to make bring me closer to God. When I can get rid of that, I have more room for him okay. because sin separates us from God. And um, so I look forward to that, and if, if people can, like, there is condemnation, but that's just, like, condemnation is going to push you down and not give you a chance, not bring you to God, it's going to keep you isolated, closed down, secretive. But God's going to want to expose it, and so, um, and maybe the, it is sin that the devil is condemning you with. But God is there to have an answer for that, you know, to confess it, repent from it, and be cleansed, and um, get rid of it, and go on. So, so I'm thinking. <laughs> go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say, I think it really comes down to the difference. There's the two kinds of judgment. There's the, the judgment where Paul said, a righteous man judges all things, and then, but, I'm, but he's judged by no one. And then there's the words of Jesus, judge not, there, judge not lest ye be judged, right? The, the judgment that Jesus is talking about is the condemnation, the cutting off, the like, you're going to hell, give it up, you know? But then there's the discernment, right? That Paul judgment that Paul was talking about, and so a righteous man discerns all things, though he's not judged by anyone. And so, and I think really what it comes down to is the difference between guilt and shame. And so, guilt is conviction. Guilt is wow. Oh no, Lord, please forgive me. Let me, and it, and it leads to repentance, right? And repentance. You know, continually going, doing the same thing over, not being conformed to the ways of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind means choosing each time. Maybe I fall down the first hundred times I do it, but I repeatedly choose to do something different. And eventually, you know, it's kind of like riding the bike. Eventually I'm going to get it, you know. And so, but then shame is an identity problem. Shame isn't something I did. Shame isn't something, I, a sin I committed. Shame is the sin that I am. And when I when I allow when I allow condemnation to, to to manifest in the form of shame, well then then I have an identity problem. Then I'm calling God a liar. Exactly, exactly. So I, I'm sitting here today uh, out on a porch, and the bright sunshine is is 
blasting down on me beautifully, the blue sky, the universe is in, you know, this harmony creation. And I'm thinking about God who created all things by his son, Jesus Christ, and they are one. And I'm thinking about the power of almighty God that he rose Jesus from death. And I'm thinking about this power, this, this God. And yet sometimes I feel as Christians, we're saying to God, God you have power to create universes and, and raise from death and do all these things, but you don't have power over my human nature. And sometimes Christianity has a, 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 it kind of indicates that our human nature is impossible for God to deal with on this earth. And when I read the scriptures, I don't actually see that. I see that God nullified, crucified, reckon yourself to be dead indeed with Christ, remember, and you know, be dead to sin. And there's so many other scriptures that kind of elevate us and want to raise us up. But somehow we, we're, we're thinking on a very low, um, and, and again, I, this is just my thoughts. How could the God of this kind of power leave me hopeless and helpless in this body um, to overcome my sinful nature? And why can't that divine nature be activated and become a reality so that we can begin to walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God on this earth as an end-time army in the midst of this gross darkness and to manifest forth the glory of his workmanship in our lives. And I, I just kind of, you know, this is kind of a, a wrestling match for me in my mind because I don't want to see God as incapable. And I can't imagine the cross, that Jesus Christ went to the cross and suffered what he did, but still has no power over my human nature. I feel like there's something wrong with my thinking, with me, my understanding, not him. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, 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 I liken it to, you know, the very first time that we went to Honduras, we, um, we did this, uh, this crusade and we fed, we killed 350 chickens and we laid the Honduran woman, cooked them out on open fires and, and um, we fed, we fed um, all these people. And then there were all these dead chicken parts you know, rotting in the sun in, in these garbage bags. And so me and another guy got on the back of a flatbed truck and we loaded the, uh, these, uh, these garbage bags up onto the truck and they smelled so bad. He was actually, he was Guatemalan. He was actually vomiting. They smelled Ooh. so bad. Ooh. So we, we, we pull into the, we pull into the dump and we see these boys come running. Right. And the rule, usually the, the rule in a third world dump is whoever gets to the truck first gets the load. And so they got on the truck, and they were so happy to get our disgusting chicken parts because what did they do? They would take the chicken parts and they would cook soup out of them, you know. And to us, it's like, why would anybody live like this, you know? But then I look at, you know, by the same token on this earth, you know, it's relatively speaking, it's like we've got these people that are just chasing after money and buying Porsches and million-dollar houses and everything else like that. And in reality... This, the best life that we can manage here on earth, you know, compared to what God has, his standards, what he has for us in heaven, amounts to the same thing as those boys, you know, so excited to get my rotten dead chicken parts, you know, and yeah. just to be content eating garbage in the dump, you know, because they got a meal that day, you know, and that's, and that's how we are actually living on earth. And I think that everything about God, you know, his holiness, what he has, has promised for us, we create these perceptions in our mind, you know what I mean? And it's like, we can't even fathom it. We cannot even comprehend 
You know, even imagining all oh, the heavens paved with streets of gold and things like that. We don't even know what that means because we're living in the dump eating garbage, you know, and happy when we get a good bag of garbage and excited. And our bag of garbage is better than our neighbor's bag of garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Kathy. I, I just have like uh, two words. Like it's his will. Mm-hmm. It's his will mm-hmm. for us to to come and walk into what he's called us to walk in. And so when we start doubting ourselves and, and um, you know, and questioning that, then it's just like, wow, if it's God's will, why don't I line up with his will and rise to the call? Yeah. What can I do? That's right. So as you're talking, both of you, I'm thinking that the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart. And so the holiness that I believe that the Bible talks about is a separation from everything that is loveless. Um, everything that is not love is what God wants to separate me from. And I don't want to come across as oozy goozy and all that stuff. But the reality is, is that until the perfect love of God is established in my life, And so if my journey is into love, the agape love of God, the genuine love of God, that love can permeate through my being and my soul and my mind, and I could love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself, if that's the direction I'm going in, um, I have to, you know, my idea is that holiness, sometimes religion has a way of getting a little dark and it gets a little morbid and it gets a little difficult and it gets a little tough and it gets and it's almost like we're going into it. We have to avoid getting into man's human nature and trying to fix it and break it and curse it. I mean, that's already done. And it's a matter of faith in recognizing that when Christ was on the cross, I was on the cross with him. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. And somehow my faith, my mind has to catch up with that reality in order to see an effective work of transformation in my life. If I'm trying to dress up my flesh or deal with it and stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast, you know, um, that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so if I could reckon and just come into agreement with my faith that Jesus Christ has done this, I'm walking in cooperation with that. I agree and I'm coming out of that, and I'm going to start walking in the newness of life, and I desire to walk in the love of God. Now I have a journey. I have a direction, a destination, um, which is to be conformed into his image. So I don't know. I'm just kind of looking for uh, – I know we need to go higher in our generation because we can't stay in the lowlands of our faith, our spirit, our religion, or anything else uh, with the storm that's coming. I think God's elevating. He's wanting to call people up a little bit higher, and I'm just wondering – Lord, how do you want that to happen? How do you want to bring your kids higher in our generation? And what is it going to take to get us out of this? You know, I was uh, sharing with a friend last night again that when does the Apostle Paul's prayer that was connected to Jesus' prayer in John 17, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Let them speak the same thing and have the same mind and the same judgment. Bring them into a unity. When does that actually happen for believers around the world? I mean, it was the prayer of Jesus the prayer of the apostles, and yet we live in a more divided time than any time in history of the church age. I think God is doing something. And again, this is another thing that we're talking about. I'm just like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to give, I'm trying to give words to it, you know, and it's, it's so we had, we've been having, we connected with some friends and we were in harvest school from Mozambique, you know, and they're a young couple in, uh, they're in on the West coast in Washington. And then we have, friends in, in the UK and, and, and 
to you guys and, and different people online, and it, and there just seems to be this thing that's happening within the body of Christ where people are realizing, like, you know, all this stuff that we've been trying to do in church and everything, the way we've been doing church, it's like, it, I mean, it's just not working. There's something, it's just not working, you know? And uh, my friend in the UK, he, he, interviews, he interviewed two uh, uh, Anglican pastors who are just converted to Catholicism, you know, and their doctrine is completely skewed, but it's just, it's rooted in the fact that it's like something's, something's not right, something's, something's not working. And at the same time, too, people are going through what I see as a similar experience of, of that, that all these things that we've been trying to do and, and um, this inability to be still and to wait is, is really coming where people are realizing, like, for instance, our friends in, in, Was- in Washington, they're young, and they call us for counsel because their ministry is like, it's not really being fruitful the way they imagined it should be fruitful. They're, you know, they just got a couple people, and, and, and she had a dream where it's like they, they'd set everything up with this beautiful service with all the instruments and all ready to go. And then there were these people coming, and they were hungry, and they were tattered, but they just wanted food, you know, and they, and they, they, they wanted to give them the bread of life, but, but it's, all they wanted was, was just material food. And, um, and so there's, there's this, this stripping that goes, that's taking place. And I go back to, to Leviticus chapter 8, where the ordination of, of, the, of the Levitical priest. And, you know, they're, they're on the, they go to the altar, and they slay the bull first. But first, but first they put on all the priestly garb, which is it's like 100 pounds of stuff that they had to wear, you know. And then they're in the desert there, you know, and this is like around, you know, this is probably around somewhere between August and September. And it's hot. <clears throat> and then they're going to slay a bull. And anybody that's ever, ever, you know, dressed an animal knows that's like gory, brutal, hard labor, you know. And, and. You know, and then it's like spreading the guts all over the place and taking the skin and everything and throwing it outside the camp. The skin, the, we, the part that we pay the most attention to, they, that doesn't even get to get burned in the fire. That has to get thrown outside the camp. You know, and then and then when they're done with all that, then they do the same thing again. The ordination ceremony, they re- repeat it with, with, a, with a, a ram. And then when they're done with that, then the God says, now you will sit at the entrance to the tent for seven days. <laughs> And do nothing so that you do not die. You know? And so what I think is, what I think is, is we've been at the, at the body of Christ, we've been at the altar, we've been laboring, we've been slaying, we've been chopping things up and burning fat and livers and everything else and hoping something's going to change, you know. But really, it's like we don't want to go to the entrance of that tent and sit there and wait and do nothing where it's like wait for God to move. And I, and I just sense that God is he's, he's just destroying and stripping all these works, all these activities, all this stuff that we're doing for him, laboring for him, trying to bring the, the, the kingdom of, on earth as it is in heaven into existence. And it's like he's saying, you don't understand. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. What an excellent portrayal. Um, that's, that's excellent. And yet we know that our high priest has gone before us. And he's made a way, so he writes in uh, Romans, that access has been granted. We have access into this place that people, you know, are waiting to access and enter into. It's, he's gone before us. Access has been granted. And what I hear you saying is so true. 
Um, it's a frustration to everything we're doing. So I believe in this passage, okay? I believe in this. I don't know why. I just believe in it. Um, in Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. For how long? Till... We all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I read that, and then I go a little bit further over here, and he, he gives this instruction, but you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation or conduct, old man, put him off which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So I read these scriptures and there's a lot of them like that in the new covenant that are constantly telling me, Vincent, listen, having these, these uh, promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay. I'm supposed to cleanse myself through what he has accomplished. I am applying what he has done. If a man will purge himself, he'll be an, a, a vessel of honor, meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work, purging ourselves. In here, we put off the old man and we put on the new man. And I just wonder if there's a lack of activity amongst Christians waiting for something to happen rather than employing everything God has done on our behalf and, and all the work that is accomplished on the cross, which is the complete and total annihilation of everything dark and evil that's against God and contrary to God, it is defeated, and we're just kind of wondering, well, you know, how? And, and again, to me, Brian and Kathy, I, I see God's plan, and if somebody could show me a different way, but his plan is through the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher gifts, not the people, but there's a gifting, there's an anointing that enables us to be built up into the fullness of Christ. And it seems to be woefully lacking right now, but does that mean we should give up on it? No, I think that... You know, I think that we can put off the old man. We can make a decision to do that on a daily basis. We can actually seek to grow, seek, ask God to, you know, to, to search our heart if there's any way that not be right in me, you know, and, um, and and voluntarily lay that down, tie it to the altar, so to speak, you know, and, and slay it there and leave it there, you know, or we can do what God has got to do with nations, you know, and that is persist in doing things our way, persist in holding on to our expectations, our perceptions, persist in creating uh, maybe an idol out of our expectations, and that results in judgment, you know. But God's judgment, the purpose of God's judgment is, is you know, as, as um, you know, he explained to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, it's like it's for our good. It's to bring us. It's to teach us, you know. And so I think um, – yeah, I, I think we have a choice. Like, like I say, you know, it's like I, I didn't choose God. God chose me. You yeah. know, he chooses. And and so what it comes down to after that in terms of my transformation is that, that uh, I can either go voluntarily or he can drag me by the hair up to me. You know, it, it really comes down to, like, guys, how much pain do you need? I'm going to fulfill. My word is not going to return void. I'm going to do. I'm going to accomplish what I said I'm going to do. You know, and it's like you can go the easy way, you can go the hard way, you know, and, and the easy way is for us to pursue him and allow him to 
to do the work in us, or we can fuck it a little bit and wrestle with them and get our targets knocked out of place, so to speak. You know, I think also, um, I don't know, but uh, it's easy to say this from here, but like, I know it's, I think it's more challenging to live like where you are in a city or a beautiful place or, you know, because you have all these distractions and you, you're, you're with a lot of unbelievers where life is run this particular way. And so I think a big problem is like a lot of believers have one foot in the world and one foot in, in uh, God's promises. And he, God says, you know, friendship with the world is enmity with God. And I think it's going to take a whole lot of stripping and getting away of everything that is not of God in our lives. And then also a huge, complete focus on everything that is him. They go hand in hand. And that's why we moved to Arkansas. <laughs> and that's why you're in Honduras. So I really believe that we are his workmanship. I mean, your souls, your hearts, your minds, your person. And I believe that the spirit of God that's come into our lives has been at work behind the scenes all along since the day we believed. And I believe he's doing a work while we're attempting to do what the word of God tells us to do. And we're laboring to do that because we really desire it, because we've tasted it, and it's good. And But I believe that the day is coming that the work of the Holy Spirit is going to manifest forth, like in the Mount of Transfiguration. And I believe that God's people around the world that have pressed in uh, to joyfully experience what true salvation is, salvation from the human nature, salvation from demonic influence, salvation from the world, the flesh, the devil. And as we've pressed into God and encountered God and have spent time with God and uh, we're filling those uh, golden vials with odors of our prayer, and we're spending a, a relationship. I believe the day is coming that there's a divine dissatisfaction, like you were just talking about, Brian, and I believe that God is going to begin to manifest forth his workmanship. He's going to unveil it, and I believe he's going to unveil it in each one of the people's lives who have been cooperating with him. And, man, I, I, I just I hope for that. I hope to see his, because I'm impossible. You know, I'm an impossible case. But doesn't God get the glory by doing things in impossible situations and making things possible? And if God could take you, Brian Gray, and you, Kathy Gray, and he could do what he's done in your lives where you have been, and then bring you to a moment in the history of the world where he can begin to unveil his workmanship in your life, to manifest forth his glory that's at work in you, effulgencing, just pulsating and waiting for expression. I think it's a life worth living for. I really do. With yeah, the future hope. It's so exciting. It absolutely is. You know? Amen. It's supernatural. It's like supernatural. And, uh, you know, and I think there's a lot that's revealed in John, in John chapter 9 where Jesus heals the blind man. But before that, they say, why was this man born blind? Who said that this man was born blind? And Jesus says it, it's it's nobody's nobody's sin. He's like this so that the glory of God can be made manifest. And and it's that's the purpose of of what God does and how God does things. You know, it, it's 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 not like we're here and we're going to fix the world and make it ready for you know. So when it's good enough and when when it, on earth as in heaven exists, He's going to come back. You know, that's the that's the post millennialism view, right? Right. But but it's it's. He's going to do what he's going to do, and he's been doing it. And everything that happened, even the miracles that happened through Scripture, they were they were so that God's glory could be made manifest, so that we could see 
he's, he's doing what he said he's going to do. And, and every, every prophecy that was, that was declared about him, you know, up to, up to this point, it has been fulfilled, and there's the ones that are remaining will be fulfilled. And there's absolutely no doubt about it. But, um, so, yeah. Brian and Kathy, when I look at both of you, I, I, your, your life, uh, the, the weeks now, the months that we've gotten to know each other, uh, the message I hear you proclaiming in all that you say or do, the very core of it, is that you both are have learned to depend upon God for every single thing in your life, whether it's a meal, a place over your head, a roof. You are you are on the you're on the pathway in your discipleship of dependency. That there is nothing in yourselves that you could ever accomplish that will bring God the glory, but it's what God is accomplishing in you and through you to depend on him for everything, every decision, everywhere you go. Lord, we're just, everything is laid at your feet. Here we are. And I think that's a worthy, worthy course. And if all of his kids, all of us would begin to just depend on him for everything, not trust in uncertain riches, not trust in wealth, not trust in money, not trust in our present condition of whatever it may be, um, but trust in him in all things. Maybe now we're getting to the original question, what it means to um, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Your final thoughts before we go today. I think that I, I always go back to, I, I think it's, is it Ezekiel 43 where it's, where it, it's the final temple, but he's talking about, well, I went in, I went in up to my ankles and then I went in up to my knees and then I went in up to my chest and then I went in where I couldn't touch. And it's where you couldn't touch that, that led to like where all the light, where the life was, you know? And if you think about for anybody who's, who can remember the very first time they were in water over their head, it's, it's, it's scary, scary kind of experience. And the only way that you can survive is to let go and relax. And then you float. Hey, you know? man. And so much, of, so much of walking with God is like that, where it's like the more we struggle, the more we sink, you know, and the more it hurts, and the more likely we are to drown. And the more we relax and we really genuinely trust in him, um, the easier it is. And, and But see, the blessing in, in having the experiences of finding out where we don't trust him is we get to find out where it is we don't trust him. What layer, what is that thing that needs to be pruned off, cut off, you know? And so I think that's the key. It's a beautiful key. Absolutely. And so I guess you would sum it up in one phrase. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, the huias, the mature sons of God. And I believe in these last days, there has to be a community of believers, men and women from all over the world, every walk of life, that are just going to rise. The cream is going to rise to the top after it's bowed. There's no doubt there's a bowing. But God is going to raise up something that is a, a, a body that is being led and directed by the head. And the spirit of Christ is touching, just like my fingers don't move unless my mind tells it to move, that we're going to be so submitted and yielded to the mind of Christ that he's directing you, he's directing them, he's directing us, he's directing her, and everything in his body is moving, and he knows what he's doing. We don't have to necessarily know. But, you know, Ananias will be sleeping in bed, and the Spirit of God will wake him up and say, you need to go to Straight Street. I think it was Ananias. Go to Straight Street and pray over this man. And it's just an instruction, a moving of the Spirit of the living God. And that's where we want it. That's life. To me, that's life. 
since Philip in Acts chapter 8. Yeah. You know, it's one minute he's ministering to the Ethiopian, next minute he's baptizing him, next minute he's supernaturally transported. You know, it's like that's that's what life lies ahead of us. Exactly. And that's a joyful journey, isn't it? It's yeah. a joyful journey. But we live in the last days where persecution, suffering, tribulation all over the world, all these evil things. And so how do we complement um, what God is doing in us? And he must be working something out in us as we're believing, honoring, and keeping to his word that's going to enable us to endure um, and be useful to him at a time where darkness is really coming upon the earth. Yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely he's working things out. He's stripping us. He's purifying us. And, it, and it's in preparation so that he can give us that double portion that your prophet is talking about. You know, I believe that's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot of what we see happening right now is messy and as confusing as it is in the body of Christ right now. I see, I see a crack in the dam, you know, where it's like, where it's like, a lot of the nonsense is just not going to work. It's going to it's going to fall away, you know. But it's not going to be it's not going to be the destruction and the end of Christianity like some people hope it is. Right. But it's going to be it's going to be preparation for that double portion. Amen. We're getting ready to rule the world with the King of Glory. Amen. Right. The millennium is coming. The Christ, the Christ is coming. Jesus Christ, and uh, we just want to be ready for Him when He comes. We yeah. want to be prepared in our hearts and minds. Amen. Amen. Brian and Kathy, as always, you guys are precious. We love you. The body of Christ appreciates and values you and loves you. And, uh, again, we're going to look forward to the day we get to meet face-to-face. Uh, do you have a final word you'd like to say to the body of Christ before we leave today? Let go. Amen. Let go. Be at peace. Rest. I love it. All right, you two. Thank you for joining me on the air. God bless. Yeah. Shalom. Thanks for joining us. All right. There you have it. Brian and Kathy from Honduras, missionaries that are out serving the Lord, taking it one day at a time, spending time with God. You do the same thing today. I'm going to do the same thing today. Be joyful for where you are. Be thankful for everything you have. And know that God is up to something a lot bigger than anything you may be thinking about right now. Know that God has a plan that he's working into his body, his temple, his house, that far transcends our farthest thinking. Let me leave it with you you this way. My pastor used to say to me and to the church, he'd get to a point in this anointed word of God, and he would say, all right, I want you to take your imagination, and I want you to take it as far as you can go of of, of what you could possibly imagine for. Just take and stretch your imagination for the impossible. Just go as far as you can. And then he would pause and he would then say, that's where God begins. At your furthest possible thinking of what God is able to do, stretch to its zenith where he actually begins. And our faith in seeing him who is invisible will create an endurance and an ability to step into the supernatural at a time where everything is ebbing on a very low plane. Gross darkness shall cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord will rise within you. So stay the course, love the Lord, enjoy the journey. God has not called anybody to a morbidity 
It is not in the heart of the Father for morbidity, legalism, tradition, or anything. It's time to step out of all of that into the light of a new day, in a new moment, to be seasoned with salt, to be seasoned and to be filled with the oil of God and get ready for the most exciting, exhilarating journey man has ever known. I believe this with all of my heart, and I believe it's a biblical pattern. So stay the course. Have a blessed day today. Remember, don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough today. So live it out loud in the fullness of God. May God direct you into the lives of people that need to hear the gospel, the good news of eternal life and salvation. We always balance what we're saying with an eternal perspective. What we're doing right here, right now, is one thing, eternity is another. Everything on this earth that we feel, see, touch is temporary, but we are going into an eternal realm. Let's go with full force. Let's live our lives out loud right here. Shout it from the rooftops. Tell the truth. Speak the truth in love. Allow for the transformation of your heart and your mind and your life. Allow for that to take place. I'll do the same, and we'll see you at the top of the mountain for the great end-time epic battle is about to be fought all over this earth, and we're going to be spiritually mature and spiritually equipped to fight it, and we'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. This is Pastor Vince. Got to go. Um, Trusting everybody's doing good everywhere. We know you are in Jesus' name.